Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Hi there, Thrive Deeper listeners. Before we continue our study through Isaiah with Matt, I just want to highlight that we have restarted our Thrive Perspectives podcast series. Over the next four to five episodes, Matt, myself, and our good friend and critical thinker, Connell, will be exploring our worldview and how this informs every aspect of our lives, how we think, behave, what we see as our priorities and purpose in life. This is such a timely conversation in this day and age with so many influences and voices shouting at us for our attention. What does a Christian worldview look like and how do we live out our lives in this context? So join us at Thrive Perspectives as we explore our Christian worldview. You can find the Perspectives podcast at our website, thrivetoday.tv, or at your favorite podcasting platform. Now, back to our study through Isaiah. Man, I don't know where the years are going. I think it's got something to do with getting older. I've figured out that (laughs) every year is a smaller percentage of your overall life as you get older. Ah, it's a mathematical explanation. It's a mathematical explanation. So, therefore, every year seems like it's going faster because it is actually less of your entire life. (laughs) Speaking of mathematics... What are we up to, Stu? Yeah, right. Well, Thrive Deeper, episode 161, and we are going to be continuing on in the book of Isaiah, and we're going to be picking up uh, from chapter 13, and we'll probably aim to get somewhere near chapter 30. We'll just see how we go. Um, But just a bit Mm. of background, Matt, before we kick in, uh, for listeners who were listening to the previous episode, you will remember that this is Isaiah was a prophet who lived in Jerusalem in the last part of the two kingdom period, where we had Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And his prophetic word was directed to the leaders of Jerusalem and Judah primarily. Um, He preached God's judgment was going to come to Israel and Judah through the nations of Assyria and, of course, later on Babylon. And we'll hear a bit more about that soon um, because they basically refused to turn from their idolatry and oppression Mm. of the poor. Um, But as we've already seen in Isaiah and in the other minor prophets that we've looked at, this message of judgment is is delivered with a message of hope as well, Mm. that in spite of this judgment and the nation's continued disobedience, God one day will fulfill his covenant promises, all of them, through an everlasting king of David's line. And so we sort of pick up at, you know, we ended at chapter 12 with a song of praise um, after, you know, again, that that sort of offer of hope. uh, And then we start on these series of oracles Mm. of judgment. Um, It's interesting, the consistent thing in the prophets is... Certainly God's commitment to his covenant. That is a that is a massive theme that yep. runs right through the prophets. In the midst, I may say, of these oracles of doom upon those people for not trusting actually in God's faithfulness. Yeah, yep. So the message is always God is faithful, but mm. are you going to be faithful? Mm. And your faithfulness depends on whether you actually get to be a beneficiary of God's faithfulness. Yeah. So you get this sense that he's saying God is willing to be faithful to you, but whether you're and, and God is going to bring about his plan, but whether you're going to be part of it depends on, on your, your faithfulness yeah, and your right. and your decision. Yeah. That seems to be quite a, yeah, a, a, a ever present message uh, through the prophets, certainly in Isaiah, uh, as I've noticed that. There's a lot of there's a lot of history going in the background. This mm. is one of the th- mm. the things that's complicated about reading reading the prophets and and I think a little key and I may have said this before Stu for me reading through these these oracles the the primary thing that I get 
out of this is a sense of God's heart. Yeah. Ultimately, yep. it's not like God is delighting in in these oracles of doom. There's a real sense of grief here. Mm. And that grief is actually often expressed in Isaiah the prophet himself. I don't know if you notice that, but at regular intervals, you know, Isaiah just breaks down and yes. is just mourning yep. and yep. and weeping. And this isn't this isn't the prophet saying, "Oh God, you're so mean, and I'm the sensitive one." No, no, this is a prophetic lamenting that he's that he's doing yes. here. And yep. so this is God lamenting over the plight of his people. Uh, and and particularly their spiritual state, that such a thing is necessary because he's going to have to prune the diseased branches, as it were, in Mm. order to save the tree. And Mm. that's kind of what's happening here. Mm. So, so I think, um, you know, in in reading these, just a tip for for readers: just yeah, try to get the big, try to get the the that sense of God's heart in all of this. Mm. And there are just some beautiful things that are said. There are some very, um, there are some very convicting things yes. often through this, and yeah. and let that uh, let that be sobering for you. Mm. Um, Try to pick up the main theme. What what is God? Ask the question. What is God really wanting of His people? Mm. And what you'll notice through here, and it's expressed in so many ways, very moving ways. God is saying, "I just want you to trust me. Yeah, I just want you to trust me. Keep running off to everyone else. That's what you know. It, against the historical backdrop of of turbulent shifting of nations and political machinations. Yeah, you know, who are we going to back? You know, yes. are we going to back them or are we going to back them? Uh, and God's kind of going, pick me, pick me. But, well, <laughs> you know, a, a little bit more. <laughs> of course. Of <laughs> course. But majesty than that. But certainly. The point is. You sense not, the heart of God, exactly don't right. you? Saying, yeah. I'm right here. You know. I am faithful. Yeah. You know, I. I and, and particularly when it comes to, and we'll get to this, the judgment of Jerusalem, you know, and, and here they are doing everything that they can. And yet the whole founder of the city of David, yeah. the one who founded it, is there yeah. waiting to come to That's their right. rescue. Yeah. You know, yet they won't That's right. go to him, you know, and it's like And yeah. and in fact the, the climax of this whole first half of the book of uh Isaiah that we'll look at in the next episode is that amazing story of Hezekiah when the yep. Syrians came to the mm. walls and mm. and Hezekiah cried out to God and you know and, and, and this amazing salvation which which sits there you know why is that story repeated wholesale because mm. it's retold in kings and chronicles mm. uh, why does it appear there in isaiah and that's because it 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 is god showing mm. it, it's a he's showing i am tr- if you trust me if you cry this is what is actually possible yeah. you don't need to go to egypt or go to these other nations yeah. to uh, to protect yourselves because i'm able to do that and so but remember isaiah wrote this before it had happened yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Kings and Chronicles were historical right, records, yeah. so so you know it's like here's the foretelling, then yeah. the actual event recorded. And and I guess one of the things for me reading through this is our Western culture tends to want us to try to read everything chronologically. It's like oh yeah. this and then that and then yeah. this and then yeah. that. But this isn't. It kind of goes a bit over the place. And I think you've got to let go of that sense of also oh, now the next scene is this. Well, no, actually now we're referring back to something yeah. back here. Yeah, I think you can right. get comfortable with that. I think that yeah. helps, uh, helps with yeah. it as well. So, so there's a lot of, there is editorial work here because yeah, yeah that, that story was in, was included yes. pretty much wholesale. But the, the point is, is that it, it's part of the overall prophetic message yes. that, the, that the book of Isaiah as a whole conveys. Mm. And that is this idea that God is able to do this. Uh, and um, 
And so, I think just yeah. to, before we jump in, just to keep us humble, because I found myself reading this and kind of going, what's wrong with these people, you know, kind mm. of thing. And yet every day in our lives, we're probably guilty of similar things where oh. we, where we, instead of going to God first, it's kind of the last resort. Well, we've tried everything else. Maybe now we'll pray. You know, oh, it's like, and these people are facing yeah, threats absolutely. the like of which we could not imagine. imagine. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Assyrians are coming. The Assyrians are well known for being. I mean, they used fear as a as, as a tactic. Yep. Uh, you know, they would they would line the the roads of conquered cities with people impaled on mm. poles and mm. to and 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 you know unleash just horrible horrible tortures upon people purely to just send horror out before them. Yeah. We we just can't even imagine this. Yeah. So so this is you know you know no wonder they're looking for you know foreign alliances and how we're going to stand against this Assyrian onslaught. Yeah. Um, so you know it's you, you kind of try to imagine just the level of threat that, yeah. that you're facing Huge. at this time. So speaking of the of the political backdrop as, as we come into chapter thirteen, Stu, yeah. uh, we we have this prophecy against Babylon. You think, well, hang on. It, why why are we getting a prophecy against Babylon? Because isn't this about Assyria? Mm. Well, this is where some of these background events. Um, there'd been a there'd been a change of rulers in the yep. Assyrian Empire. Babylon is a city state that is part of the bigger Assyrian imp- Empire at this stage. Yeah, that's a very powerful city state. And there's this there's this. Um, you know the beginnings of rebellion now. Power struggle. You know, yep. uh, already earlier, and now this yeah. actually comes to a head because there's a rebellion, mm. um, and everyone's looking on, in a way. There's no TVs to watch the news, <laughs> but everyone's kind of looking on, and and certainly, that you know, there there are frequent, uh, you know, tra- emissaries. Yeah, uh, travel. Yep. You know, the travel routes are all you know open, and mm. lots of emissaries going back and forth, and uh, you know, so everyone's waiting to see. Okay, what they've heard about this rebellion. Uh, is this going to um, is this going to succeed? Maybe this will be the thing that stops the Assyrians. Yes, you can imagine. Yeah. Oh, great! Babylon's rebelled, uh, and and they're going to destroy us. You know, and it's all and we'll be we'll be okay. Yeah. And <laughs> you're kind of looking for a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Isaiah, you know, his message is no. That's not the end. Light that's at right. the end of the tunnel. God is the light at the end of exactly. the tunnel. And so doesn't matter who wins this. Really, and, yeah, and he's actually he actually foretells here the failure of that rebellion. Now, yes. as we know, Babylon ultimately uh, destroys Assyria at the famous Battle of mm. Carchemish in six hundred five BC. But here, you know, we're, we're around uh, seven twenty two BC mm. still. Okay, so mm. that's and the Babylonians, if you brilliant. recall, uh, if we recall, listeners, they also came to Judah looking for an alliance to help them. Against yes. the Assyrians, yeah. which of course the Judeans that was the said, issue in yeah, chapter seven. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, that's uh, right. So yeah, that's so, already happened. That's right. So will the question is: Will the result re- revolt of Babylon be successful? Mm. And um, a lot of people are thinking it would be. Now, as we know, ultimately it is. But uh, Isaiah says no, it won't be. And this is yeah. the amazing thing about these oracles: one after another in his prophecies is Spot absolutely on. Spot on. hits the nail on the head. Yeah, you right. know, and yeah. so he says no. Uh, and so there's this um, this prophecy against Babylon. Mm. Part of this is because Assyria is his chosen instrument. Yes, this is, and uh, part of what's going on here is that we have this picture of God as Lord over all of the nations. Now, remember, this is in a time where people believed in territorial gods. Yes, 
and battles were between one god and another god. Mm. This completely flies. This is the theology that comes out out of Isaiah completely flies in the face of that, yeah. because this is not one god fighting against another god. No, this is a sovereign god who is sovereign over all of the machinations of the nations and is going to. Like Assyria, which mm. is the most powerful, formidably powerful empire mm. in that day, the Lord says, "Oh yeah, they're just my—they're just an instrument of discipline in my hand." Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. that's all that they are. And 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 so this uprising of Babylon. Oh, maybe this is going to thwart the onslaught. No, no, no. God's no, it's not, mm. uh, because they're an instrument in my hand, and and I'll decide, and and I'll decide this. Thank you, yes. so you get this yeah. amazing message of sovereignty uh, over Wh- the nations, which then is reinforced as we go through. We'll move through these um, together, obviously, but he then goes through all the nations that are really surrounding Israel and Judah at the time, and you know puts the judgment on them, all who have their own deities in a sense, yeah, and right. all who yeah. are trying to, you know. So, and interestingly enough, in this case, um, with the Babylonians in the first instance, um, when they came to to Judah for support, it was the Medes that God used to actually yeah. destroy the Babylonians. Yeah. The Medes are probably the current day Iranians. Yeah. Um, and so just interesting how God's just going to use whatever yeah. instrument he needs yeah, that's right. to bring about yeah. his, his purpose. That's right. So, well, one other thing about Babylon um, too is that there's you get this sense that with Babylon particularly because of of the the city and the presence of the Tower of Babel mm. um, earlier, uh, which is which is probably a yeah, ziggurat. You know, there's yep. something about Babylon. You know that that God has His eye, a particular eye on Babylon as a symbol. Of something bigger, there's right. something about Babylon, right. yeah, and and this is all, always made evident when Babylon gets brought up, um, and and we know from, of course, the Book of Revelation that the world system mm. is referred to as Babylon. Babylon yeah. uh, so so in fact, both at the beginning and the end of the Bible, uh, we have Babylon as a symbol for humanity and rebellion against God. Mm. So the ta- Tower of Babel is Tower of ba- ba- yep. Babylon. Yep. In Genesis chapter eleven, and then in and then in the book of Revelation, of course, as well. And so, I think it's important to keep that in mind whenever there are these prophecies against Babylon. And so, you get you do get this apocalyptic language that seems yes. to cast broader. You know, so uh, verse nine uh, of chapter thirteen: uh, See a day, uh, see the day of the Lord is coming. Yeah. Now, when it talks about the day of the Lord, that the scope always widens. It's 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 a um, it's it's the great day of judgment yep. in, in a sense, um, but of course, the the judgments that are going to be faced by the people immediately are a kind of foretaste, in a way, mm. of, of that of mm. that judgment. But you know, it talks about the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with fierce uh, wrath and anger to make the land desolate, destroy the sinners within it. Mm. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light. This is the same language that Jesus uses in um, Matthew chapter 24 uh, to describe the tumult of the the nations. It's it's not describing the end of the space-time universe. It's it's described – this is a standard way of describing the tumult and Mm -hmm. and the uh, the complete upset of the Mm -hmm. world system. And similar language to what we see in Revelation 17 and 18 when we're talking about that kind of – uh, those that similar sort of apocalyptic language there as well. So yeah. you know, um, it's yeah. definitely foreshadowing something greater than just judgment on 
the city of or the nation of Babylon at that time, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So, because he says that in verse 11, I will punish the world for yes. it. Too. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, he's throwing the, uh, the scope the wide. And then, um, and of course, at the beginning of chapter 14, you have, because you, you mm. this is how you know he's sort of projecting beyond this. This is yeah. the thing with these yeah. prophecies. It, it's it's the foreshortening thing. He's mm. he's mm. looking in immediate events are prefigurative of ultimate events. Yeah. You've got this yeah. continue often this double thing happening. And so he speaks of the ultimate compassion he's going to have on, on Jacob. Uh, of course Jacob being you know the, mm. the father of the twelve mm. son you know, his twelve Perfect. sons, twelve tribes of Israel. Yeah. Um, once again, he will choose Israel and settle them in their own land and so mm. forth. You get this uh, this promise. And it's odd that it's right there. I mean, when I came to it, I'm going, oh, oh, so it's all done now. But then you're back into the <laughs> you're back. judgment again. Yeah. It's well, like, you're back into judgment. Is that just to keep us listening? You know, kind yeah. of the, uh, you know but it's again, those these are these things where he's pointing forward to say, but God is still going to be faithful, ultimately yeah. faithful to yeah. his and, covenant promises. And know? in that in that context, because he's saying that ultimately, you know, mm. um, uh, the, these things are going to God's, you know, God's promises about the land and, and His people and everything are going to be full. And it says, on that day, uh, the Lord gives you relief from your suffering and turmoil. You will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon, mm. and then it goes, you know, it continues. So you, you, this is where you get this sense. Oh, no, hang on. The 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 occasion is is Babylon going to succeed? Is this revolt of Babylon going to succeed? But this is used prefiguratively as a picture of something bigger. bigger. Yeah. And um, and so, because it's interesting that this taunt that's taken up against the king of Babylon is, again, is reflected in the book of Revelation. Yes. In, in I think it's Revelation 18, yeah, it where it says, you know, ba- fallen is Babylon, you know, and, and again, similar sort of taunt. Mm. Now, the interesting thing in, in chapter 14 is that it says this, let me read this to you, Stu, this is interesting, uh, from verse 12, chapter 14, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend to the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Mm. Well, okay. That's again, talk about casting, uh, Casting a wider vision here, you know, Babylon is. He, he takes actually what is um, a not unfamiliar mythology from the context, uh, Canaanite mythology, about sort of battles between the gods and uh, and one god trying to usurp the place of another. But of course, Jesus uh, alludes to this sort of idea when he says in Luke chapter 10, his disciples come back and say, hey, even the demons submit to us. Yeah. And he says, I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Yeah. And it's kind of an allusion to this, mm. you know, to this sort of idea here. And so there's, there's this sense and and with um, the way that Babylon is depicted in the Bible broadly, there's this sense in which Babylon uh, is, is char- you know, characterized almost as Satan himself, because right. this is the kind of thing that, you know, of course, that Satan does and, and yeah, you know, right. the, he tempts yes. Adam and Eve to rebel saying, 
yep. because then you will be like God, yep. right? Yep. Yep. So it's like, come and join me. We, mm. we can be like God. Build uh, this tower. We can get up to the gods. Yeah, that's, yeah beyond, let's build this tower, we'll, we'll tower yep. and we'll get up to the gods. Mm. Uh, and, and it's, you know, the, the Tower of Babel reaching heaven mm. is actually about them rivaling the gods yes. in a sense, you know. Yeah. So you get this consistent God complex of humanity coming through, and that mm. is... Uh, Babylon becomes the ultimate expression of, throughout the Bible. You know, Babylon really becomes the ultimate. Yeah. Uh, you know, in fact, the Roman Empire probably in in Revelation part of that is that the Roman Empire is being characterized as a Babylon. It's just another Babylon. It's yeah. a world. Yeah. It's a world system. So very interesting. Wow. Um, yeah. Very interesting here. Um, uh, if we um, move on to the Philistines, yeah, if we move on to the Philistines. Uh, Part of the the purpose of these, and there's a few prophecies against some of the nations, uh, basically this begins a series of judgments against Mm. those neighboring nations because Judah was very tempted to trust them for deliverance. Yes, that's right. Uh, That's the point. So uh, basically the prophet is declaring, no, no, those nations are under the same sentence as you are. Yes. Right. Because you you've worshipped their gods. You've acted just like them, right? So this 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 mm. uh this rod in the hand of God, Assyria, is coming down uh and it's judgment against the Moabites, the Philistines, the Ammonites, the da 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 da, da upon Egypt even. Yep. And yep. you know, and you as well. Yes. Why you as well? Because you've just become just like, like them, them. Uh, yeah. pretty much. So yeah. so that's uh, and 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 again, you get here, um, you get here this this theme of God's mm. uh, of God's sovereignty uh, over over all of the nations. Mm. Um, and and interesting, just and we skip past this, but interesting in each of those, if you look at the co- the core kind of factors, like around the Philistines, for instance, they were. You know, they were hoping that the Assyrian Empire would be defeated. So they were putting their hope in that because that would lift the oppression because they'd been kind of subjected to Assyrian kind of rule. Um, Obviously, that ended up happening anyway. For the Moabites, they were very proud people, you know. uh, And, and, you know, so in a sense, Isaiah and God are saying all these different traits where you think you're going to take care of things yourselves, I'm going to show you that there is only one. Uh, one God here, and yeah. that's me, and I'll decide who who comes and who goes. So as we work through all of those, you see that come out again and again. Mm, you know. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. And and going back to your point, Stu, about the arrangement of the material. Mm. Uh, often it's thematic as well. It kind of works thematically because some of this, some of this, some of these oracles may have been in response to particular occasions. So, for example, it seems that Moab. When the Assyrians actually came into the land and they attacked Moab first, yeah, uh, because of course they don't want to be, they don't want to have a big pincer movement when they go down the main highway. They've got to get rid of all of these um, surrounding nations so that they're not Ambushed themselves, you know, exactly. surrounded. You know, mm. so you know, so Mo- Ammon and Moab are going to be the first to go down, um, and the Moabites. Uh, seem to have sent a delegation, like they're, they're a, a Moabite refugees. Yes, that go and yeah, they mm. that come and mm. and they they send tribute. And so, start of uh, chapter sixteen, send lambs as tribute uh, mm. to the ruler of the land from Selah across the desert. Um, it goes, uh, you know, like like a fluttering birds push from the nest. So are the women of Moab at the fords of the Arnon. So mm. he's, you know, they're coming. Can you help us, refugees? Essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Can, you know, yep. can you help us? And so that that's a these are um, 
uh, these are oracles directed into that situation. It's interesting in this context. Um, uh, it says, uh, "In love, a throne will be established. In faithfulness, a man will sit on it. One mm. from the house of mm. David, one who, uh, in judging, seeks justice and speeds the cause of righteousness." Uh, Hezekiah, uh, but of course, remember, we're always looking beyond Hezekiah. Yes, right. Isaiah is always looking beyond. Yeah. Uh, now, probably, uh, in a way, probably Hezekiah, but there's a there's a very strong messianic. Th- uh, theme that runs through yeah. uh, Isaiah's prophecies. So uh, he's always pointing his people's hope to the right thing, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so you, uh, we've got prophecies against Damascus, uh, chapter 17, yep. prophecy against Cush, um, which is uh, Arabia, the, um, I mean, Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Yeah, that's right. Which had sort of taken over Egypt, the rule of Egypt by that stage, the Ethiopians yeah, that's right. were actually the dominant ruling that's right. class in, that's Ethi- right. in Egypt. So when, when you can kind of interchange Ethiopia, Egypt as one, yeah. one nation. So. And that's handy to, again, because Cush uh, and Egypt are always mm. spoken of together from here, and you think, why? What's going on there? Of course, mm. there's his, there are real historical events going. Um, yes. yeah. So essentially, an Ethiopian king is the pharaoh of Egypt, Egypt. Uh, at this stage. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so again, there's this, um, it, you know, this theme of who are you going to rely on? Because of course, yeah. Egypt is a major. It was seen as yes. a major force, yeah. and and they're going to. There's, there's going to be a lot of oracles about Egypt from Isaiah because mm. that's the most um, that they sort of the uh, the best horse to bet on, so to speak, yeah. For, yeah. for for Judah. Yeah. You know, let's go to the Egyptians. Let's go to the Egyptians. Um, but well, actually, the Egyptians came to Judah in the first instance and said, you know, they were looking. Yeah, to yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that's to right. To conspire against the Assyrians, yeah. which of course that didn't work. And and, 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 the, and the reason for that is because they're on the way, right? I that's mean, right. you know. If if uh, Judah can cushion, they're the cannon fodder. Yeah, exactly. They don't really. They really don't care about Judah. Yes. Judah are the cannon fodder. Yes. And this is what Isaiah. You know, it's Isaiah sitting in the background saying, "Guys, you are just their cannon fodder. Mm. Okay, don't mm. trust Egypt. Don't enter into an alliance with them. It's not going to work out." But of course, uh, Egypt slash Ethiopia are wanting them to. Uh, you know, to form this alliance to fight with them, and that'll cushion a lot of the blow because they have to come down. Yeah, uh, they have to come because they can't just come across the desert. No. So they they come from the east, but they go north, right round. You know, down through present day, like near where Turkey is, Syria. Right. They're going to yeah. come all the way down there. Uh, that's the only way to get to Egypt. So that's that's what those are about. So and yeah. interesting at the end of chapter nineteen, which is continues the oracle against Egypt. Obviously, you know Egypt will know the Lord. You know Isaiah foresaw a time when Egypt and Assyria, yeah, would worship the one one true God. So yeah, that's right. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, this is this is an interesting one, Stu, because this is one of these instances where Isaiah actually acts out. Yes. A prophet acts out a, a prophecy. Mm. Um, so uh, it says in chapter 20, in the year the supreme commander sent by Sargon, king of Assyria, came to Ashdod and, and attacked and captured it. Um, at that time, the Lord spoke through son of Amos. He said to him, uh, now uh, part of this um, is that um, Egypt, th- there's this rebellion, Ashdod rebels and uh, you know, trusting again, trusting in Egypt. Yes, that's the gamble here. And um, so, 
the Lord says to Isaiah, take off the sackcloth from your body. Interesting that he's wearing sackcloth. Mm. So up morning. to this point, he has actually been already demonstrating his message. He's in yes, mourning. He's in mourning. Right? Yeah. He's not. He's not. You know. Um, uh, you know, clicking his tongue and and just you know pointing mm. the finger and 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 saying, "Aha, there you go." And I told you so. I told you. No, no. Right. He's actually in mourning. Of course. For all of this, these are his people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And again, remember, in his mourning, he's expressing the heart of God mm. over these people. Mm. Which so, is interesting because we'll come to something a little later that we can speak to where there's, you know, we'll come to that yeah, a little yeah. later, where again, the sense of us being able to mourn with God, what he mourns at. You yeah, know, yeah, that's right. So he has, he, mm. he tells Isaiah that he's got to strip and yeah. he's got to go around stripped and barefoot for three years. Yeah. I mean, as if anyone's going to listen to him after that. Yeah, like that's because, the, and and the message is yeah. because this because the Egyptians are going to be are going to be conquered and they're yeah. going to be like, you know, run, right. yeah. you know, they're going to be refuge like naked refugees. Yeah. So here's Isaiah. Dem- now was he completely naked? I mean, you probably sense he he had a probably a loincloth or something, something. Uh, like that on, but he's getting around. The point um, is, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it says in verse uh, verse three. Then the Lord said, "Just just as my servant Isaiah has gone stripped and barefoot for three years as a sign and a portent against Egypt and Cush, so the king of Assyria will lead away stripped and barefoot Egyptian captives in Cush. Mm-hmm. What a again wouldn't want to have been a prophet. No, you know, I mean." Wow, that would have been what against the odds at that point in time. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but even to have to go around stripped and, and barefoot, man, you really and and what a because Isaiah already at this stage would have been very much a well known figure. So for him to be walking around the city stripped and barefoot, mm. why? So the question is again, why is so? Why is this like? Why all of that? Because that's just about Egypt. Why does anyone you know mm. care about Egypt? Well. Partly it's because it shows God's sovereignty over the nations, yeah. but largely to show uh, Judah that God is sovereign over the nations. Because the whole time, uh, Isaiah, is, by acting this out, has been prophesying the doom of Egypt. Yes. Egypt's going to fall. Yeah. Uh, and so when that happens, it's clear Judah's also God is sovereign. Yeah. Uh, well, it's very clear that... Yeah. Isaiah is right in everything that he's saying, yep. and and that God is is completely sovereign. Over, mm-hmm. Because see, if Isaiah is correct, then Everyone else it shows yeah, it exactly shows right. that God is sovereign yeah. because God has declared this through uh, Isaiah. Through Isaiah. Come back to um, uh, a prophecy against Babylon. Again. Man, this is real international international mm. stuff here. Everything big that's happening in the world. Uh, the known world at this time is being spoken of by uh, by Isaiah. He's addressing the whole lot. He, yeah. he, you know, this this is a prophet of the nations, not just a prophet. You know, speaking to some little Small people group. group. No, no, this is has a global scope. And notice he says in verse three of chapter twenty one, Stu. At this, my body is racked with pain. Mm. Pangs seize me like those of a woman in labour. Yep. I am staggered by what I hear. I am bewildered by what I see. So he receives this word and these visions from God and and he has it physically he's physically filled with pain i mean yeah. it's it's he carries it it's so real to him that it actually his his body actually manifests the uh, the pains of it of yeah. uh, of the of the trauma of the things that are going to happen you know this isn't just someone getting a word and nonchalantly passing it on mm. 
this is the you know this is the interesting thing that I find here about this minister the prophetic ministry is that you he really carried the burden of this message yeah. and 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 this is important to you I you know I was reflecting on this because of course according to Joel chapter 2 you know in the in those days you know young men will see vision, old, old men will dream dreams and so forth yes and the point is is that in the new covenant time that we're now we will all be pro- anointed as prophets to the nations all of us yeah and that's where you know when you read these prophecies of Isaiah you get a sense of what it actually means to carry this mantle and to be on this kind of mission. It's not just passing on. It's actually, you are embodying a message. The bird, you embody the burden of this message. Mm. Um, You don't, you know, you're not standing aside from people. You, you, you're actually feel, I mean, and here is, he's feeling the pain of Babylon Mm. essentially, Mm. you know? So um, it's, yeah, very, very, very interesting stuff. Yeah. so um, again, oracles against Duma, which is part of Arabia yep. at the time, then one against the larger state of Arabia, um, yep. and even some timing on that. He talks about Qadar, which was a big city that would fall within a year. So there's you know some very specific yep. timing around yeah uh, that's right around that stuff as well. And then yep. we move on to obviously an oracle against Jerusalem. Yeah. So this the the historical background to this, um, and and ha- just let's be reminded of the story here. So. We're in. We're probably in the time of Hezekiah here now. Yes. It looks like we're in the time of Hezekiah. Remember when the Assyrians? So the Assyrians did. They came down as Isaiah predicted. Mm. They laid waste to those nations. Yep. Okay, as he predicted. Um, they 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 lay waste to Samaria as well, and uh, and then they're coming Jerusalem's way now. At first, Hezekiah pays them off. Yes, massive tribute. However, after that, they do come back, and that's the famous story about them at the walls of Jerusalem and mm. you know what God does there. But we, what we don't know is how much time between, between those two, two between those two things. Now, Isaiah paying the—I uh, mean, sorry, Hezekiah paying them off. You know, there was no sense there that um, you know he consulted God like he did the second time. We don't need to see Hezekiah, even though he's the good king. Mm. He's very far from mm. flawless. In fact. Mm. Uh, he does do some wonderful reforms and all of that sort of stuff, and he trusts God, but he, he's certainly he's certainly not uh, not without his flaws. So he has this moment where he pays off the king of Assyria. Now, this could be where these prophecies now uh, take place, because presumably Isaiah had been preparing them for the next onslaught. Yes, and also to the extent that. When they do come back, Hezekiah does go before the Lord, right? Yeah. So what's the change? You think, okay, the first time he tried to pay them off, the second time they come back and they're back for more. So mm. why doesn't he just pay them off the second? Because again, they're willing, all they say the second time is, you know, just let us become, you know, a, a vassal it's, state it's, yeah. to uh, Assyria and, and we'll leave you alone, right? This time, mm. he's not, he's not going to do that. Mm. Uh, and he goes and he seeks God. So it may well be that the very oracles that were mm. written is in in the hearing of Hezekiah actually really stirred his heart and stirred up the faith that we see uh, expressed. Yeah. Um, you and know, and but, as you say, you know, at that time they they still relied on their own efforts. They went and fortified the city walls. They went and built alternative water supplies. It's like let's do yeah, everything right. everything we can. Instead of just straight away going to God, it wasn't until they realized none of that was yeah. actually going to make a difference. And it finally. wasn't that 
doing those things was wrong necessarily. No. It's just that there was a lot of activity mm. before they even ever got to seeking God. Yeah. And, and I mean a lot of activity. One of those activities, I have to point this out because yeah, I've good. walked through this tunnel, Stu, is the, the, and it's famous because it's an amazing work of engineering. Mm. Um, I say done in a, in a hurry. So there's a spring that's just outside the walls of Jerusalem and that could potentially sustain a, an invading well, army. Yeah. So what they did is that they, uh, they closed up that spring and they diverted the water underground for, uh, it's about 700 meters, I think, mm. underground. That's huge. Uh, this amazing tunnel that you can walk through today, and I have walked through it, um, and maybe some of those uh, listening have as well, that two different work groups worked fr from either end and met in the middle. It's just amazing. Yeah. And the whole thing flows in the, in the way that it should flow. It's got the right gradient Lint, to it. Yeah. Man, Amazing piece of engineering here. So all, mm, mm. you know, three cheers to Hezekiah for that. Um, so and and he builds he builds extra walls and though you can we can still see the yeah. walls those extra walls in uh, they've ex excavated in Jerusalem the walls of Hezekiah the extra ones that he built. Yeah. So you can see this you know at twenty two verse eight where it talks on that day you looked to the weapons in the house of the forest you saw that there were many breaches in the walls of the city of David you collected water from the lower pool you counted the houses of Jerusalem so that you could tear them down to fortify the wall you made a reservoir between the walls for the waters of the ancient pool but you did not look to the one who made it or consider the one who created it long ago. Yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. It's like, so we're going to do all this well, before we even inquire. Yeah, that's before, right. You know? Well, and, and it was more than just God, can you help us? Actually, mm. he's looking for more than that. There's, mm. there's a yeah. spiritual problem here because yeah. it says in verse 12 uh, of chapter 22, yep. just to make so people know where we're up to. It says in verse 12, the Lord, the Lord Almighty called you on that day to weep and to wail, yeah. to tear out your hand and put on sackcloth. Mm. But see, there is joy and revelry, slaughtering of cattle and killing of sheep, eating of meat, drinking of wine. Let us eat and drink, uh, you say, for tomorrow we die. I mean. So essentially they've said, there's no point holding out for God. We're done for. Let's just yeah. have all the Let's fun Let's just now. do our best. Yeah, have Let's all just the have fun. our fun because we're going to be dead. Come on. You yeah. Know? I mean. So God, yeah. God's not in control, really. It's all over. Yeah. Uh, right, right. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. In in chapter twenty three, uh, there's a prophecy against Tyre. Tyre is the the other nation that tends to be. You don't want to touch on Shebna just before. I mean, it's, uh, it's yeah. not important, but just this was a royal, um, yep. some kind of royal official royal, um, very proud person, built himself a grand tomb in, yeah. in Judah, and then God actually, Isaiah makes a prediction that he'll actually end up exiled and die somewhere else and not yeah. even get to use his tomb. And, and that's continuous with, with what's said before, because they're all part in getting on with things. They're all, they're building these walls and, mm. you know, uh, mm. and not, and, and Shebna builds himself a tomb, mm. you know, and, and so... He's made essentially Isaiah is making an example of him because yes. he's a leading figure in the yeah. city. Do you think Eliakim could have been the ruler that would come and actually rule? Because it seems that for a period of time he did rule over Judah as a royal, anyway, mm. um, justly. I mean, obviously, sooner or later he. There's, there's always this, and this is the thing. There's always that promise. You could yeah. be. You, yeah. you could be. It depends on. How and it you? goes back to what I said at the start. God is faithful, and He's He's will. You can be a part of this mm. if you're faithful. Yeah, right. And so, so it's ultimately the unfaithfulness that, in a sense, just lumps yeah, lumps him in with everyone else. Because God is always. Yeah, that's faithful. right. Yep. So uh, then, Tyre, including including Tyre. Yeah. Um, this was a know. prominent coastal <clears throat> kind of commercial uh, center on the Mediterranean coast, yeah. obviously at the time. Very, yep. you know, important. 
and and again, Isaiah predicts the the downfall of Tyre yeah. over and yeah. um, and Judah was always very dependent. Um, yes, um, so certainly Israel was. That's uh, Ahab's wife Jezebel was mm. was a you know princess from Tyre, and mm. and so th- there's this association with Tyre as sort of the great tempter. Mm. That be, you know, essentially Baal worship came up really from the, they were. Uh, right. The pres- a lot of the pressure for Baal worship came from came from Tyre, oh, okay. uh, because a lot of alliances and and there was a lot of in- interaction between yeah. um, between Israel and Judah and Tyre because yeah. a lot of the shipping and I mean you know th- they did all the tr- all the transportation um, even you know in Solomon's time all yeah. of his transportation that brought all of that wealth and shipped off all of his trade it was all done by the Phoenicians yeah so Tyre is the capital of Phoenicia yeah yeah. yeah. So, um, and of course, Tyre was then conquered by the Assyrians again by Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. Babylon, and then again actually by Alexander, Alexander the Great, uh, yeah. in the fourth century. So, you know, Tyre is constantly being, yeah, that's right. Know, uh, well, yeah, that's right. Judged. After it, it gets a hard time, and yeah. again, Isaiah predicts, it does. Uh, predicts that because it, very, very difficult, you know, the city of Tyre because it's of, of its situation just off, uh, off the short sort of built out and outcrop. Mm. It's, you know, difficult to invade and conquer, but. You know, it's also valuable if you it, can. It took a while, actually, because it's a very difficult yeah. city to uh, to attack. Um, but it's predicted that it will, and certainly it did. Um, the the again, the vision is cast wide here in chapter twenty four because mm-hmm. uh, you get this oracle about the uh, the devastation uh, of the earth, uh, and and this is a, a, a sort of a you know eschatological because to, it's it's. Looking beyond at the end, you know, the end yeah. of the age, very much, but it's it's seeing in in the events that are happening a bit of a foretaste mm. of the end of the age. It's interesting that through um, through this chapter, through these the next couple of chapters, you get this um, you get this almost this theme of these cities. That the idea of cities comes up. You have got the city, um, uh, the 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 earth keeps referring to a city. And again, the, that sort of Babylon theme again mm. uh, a little bit there because it talks about in verse ten the ruined city lies desolate because he's seeing this right he's, he's seeing ahead of time and he's and the earth is depicted as a ruined city yeah. you know as a yeah. city left in ruins with its gates battered down and and because so, he says so it will be on the earth uh, among the nations um, and. And it's interesting here, though, too, in the midst of all of this, as he f- sees the downfall of all the nations, uh, it says here, but I said, I waste away, I waste, woe is me. Uh, the tri-, You know, I mean, he's he's really feeling this. Mm. And Isaiah. yet right before that, there's those verses that talk about the people raising their voices and singing mm. praise. Yeah. And it's it's almost like God's people leap into songs of rejoicing while God is still sort of punishing the world. Yeah. Uh, and Isaiah is kind of saying we should be mourning, you know, as Isaiah was, as you say, wearing sackcloth. Yeah. And I think, you know, perhaps even for us today, sometimes when we see what we would consider to perhaps be evil or poor, you know, uh, terrible things happening in the world, we, we're mm. kind of quick to judge and, and yeah. you know, oh, good God's getting them. Actually, God wants us to mourn. And it, yeah. it raises that whole question about where's the lament mm. in the life of our church? You know, God yeah. weeps and over these things that are going to happen and have yeah. happened and continue to happen. And yet yeah. 
where is our lament in the church? Yeah. I think that's a you know a, a, a big question that we need to answer yeah, at some absolutely. point in time. You know, and it's not it's not like it's one or the other. They actually go. No, together. that's right. And exactly. this is the interesting thing in these articles. You do actually see them going together quite mm. consistently, mm. because there is there is real joy in the vision beyond. Yes, and I think maybe even in in and you're talking here about um, verse fourteen, 14 16, of chapter twenty four. There's a sense in which he's he's looking beyond to the rejoicing of of God's people in that day, mm. you know, that, because that, that, that is always an important theme in the midst of oracles of judgment. There's always this sense, but God's people are going to be shielded and protected and you get the same thing in revelation, yep. you know? Yep. So there's a sense that there's this joy there. Um, and yet, yet there's in the seeing of that, mm. there's this sadness for Isaiah yeah, because, uh, and, and I think, as you say, there's a real appropriateness about that uh, it's, it's in like, this age, you know, yeah, because right. we, we, we have we have a theme, we have such a great hope, and, and we rejoice, as Paul says, in the hope of the glory of God. But because we rejoice in that hope, we therefore lament the fact that there are so many that don't have that hope. Yes, you know, and so so the themes of of rejoicing and, la- and lamentation they really go together in biblical yeah. spirituality. Yeah. Uh, they they really go together because the more you rejoice in God's salvation, the more you lament for those that don't have that. Mm. Mm. And you see, this is actually what you see here in Isaiah. Mm. I mean, and this is why the church, you know, as you said, we need to embody, you know, as Isaiah yeah. did, we need to embody. This is why you see, I think we need, or we do see the church being involved in so much in the community and trying to help yeah. the oppressed and yeah. and deal with these issues. And I think it's important that we do that more and more because that is us in a sense lamenting what we see as broken rather than just being in our club on Sunday and yeah. singing happy songs yeah. and yeah. then going, I'm going to shut my eyes to all the bad stuff. And all. Yeah. We actually need to be out there. Yeah. You know, um, f- feeling the pain that God feels as yeah. He sees people going to hell in yeah. reality. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and y- and those, as I said, they I, go together. I, they just go together. And I see this all the way through mm. these oracles, and they do in the Psalms as well. And and you just you see you see that that coupling, and and it's it's because of the age we're in. We're not in heaven yet. No, uh, the predictions are it's a you know great rejoicing, and we have a taste of that now. So we have a. We have this amazing heavenly joy now, but that doesn't mean that we're happy about mm. everything that happens all the time. No. That's the important thing. Yeah. That, you know, we're broken people living in a broken world and, you know, we, we you know, we, we can rejoice in God, but we lament the state of the world uh, around us. And, and as you say, uh, that's meant to be the drive, the driver for us to actually do something about that. That's let's right. cut, let's cast a bit of light here. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, there's, there's, if there's darkness, then cast a bit of light. Just mm. don't just withdraw into, into a living in the light club. Yes. Uh, let, let's actually be the people of light and, and empathize. Get in there with the people and feel what they're feeling like. Again, you know, like even Isaiah does this. Yeah. He's not saying "Yay for down with the nations." No, mm. he's really feeling, uh, feeling the pain. And he's and, taking a sackcloth off and he's yeah. walking around yeah, barefoot right. and naked to say, yeah. "This is what it's going to be like." And that's you know, right. This is what yeah. it's like. Yeah, that's good. And so, as I said, uh, you get this, you know, the world system depicted like a city, city being, yeah. you know, ruined. Uh, and then in uh, chapter 26, it says, In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation uh, its walls and its ramparts. So you get this sense of, you know, the, the world system as a city and the city of God, you know, yeah. the kingdom of God is depicted uh, as a city. 
um, of course, Augustine wrote the famous book, The City of God, uh, mm. which is basically a survey of initially that his that that book, The City of God, is a big survey of the story of the Bible leading up to his present day. Mm. Um, uh, and it's all, you know, this is all about, you know, which city, you know, which city you're going to be a part of and, um, uh, and you know, encouraging, encouraging the people to, to make sure that they're uh, part of the right city. Yeah. In, uh, in fact, in chapter 28, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on chapter 28 in the next uh, episode as well, Stu, yeah, uh, but he says it's that famous um, – prophecy see i lay a stone in zion a tested stone a precious cornerstone a sure foundation the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic so he's saying even in this city now in the imagery of the of the two cities mm. he speaks about the foundation this is about foundations which foundation is is a is a sure foundation here yeah. you know um it's not egypt or you know or the nations around you I, i've laid a sure foundation in zion uh, and this is, in a sense, the promises of God, you know, which which ultimately uh, is are embodied in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, this is um, this verse is quoted in, in the New Testament, mm. uh, you know, very much about about Jesus and so forth. So, I think um, again with the two cities imagery, it's all about the found. There's a foundation here. There's something to trust in here, guys. That is absolutely certain. And if you trust. In Yahweh, He will come through for it. In fact, whether or not you trust in Yahweh, that is the thing that's going to determine whether you are part of seeing God's faithfulness or not. And for those who do trust, He will be absolutely sure to be faithful. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. Thrive.